the yearbook internet sportscast i'm the host doug it was we hit uh the milestone it was it was like three episodes ago now though we didn't even notice that we had our 200th episode you know what skip it nobody cares we certainly don't and you shouldn't either uh the whole aaron Rodgers thing you know the guy from jeopardy at first, I honestly thought the, the first report when it first came out that Aaron Rodgers wanted out of Green Bay, I thought it was a plant, but not the kind of plant that maybe it was possibly. By all accounts, Aaron Rodgers is a very, very, very smart guy and an outside-the-box thinker. So since it was leaked that he wanted out of Green Bay just hours before this year's draft, right before the draft, I thought maybe Rodgers planted the story to throw off Packers opponents on draft night. I thought that with the whole big deal for a year made about the Packers 2020 draft, where the Packers spent not just a draft choice, but their biggest draft choice on a quarterback, Jordan Love, when Aaron Rodgers was supposed to be their quarterback for the next 23 years. Such a big deal was made about that for the last year about Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers that I thought maybe Aaron Rodgers was just having some fun with uh, the rest of the league. This story just seemed so bizarre that that explanation actually seemed plausible. Months later, after tons and tons and tons of speculation, nothing happened. Aaron Rodgers is still with Green Bay. Although something happened, things are not the same, and no one knows if Aaron Rodgers will stay in Green Bay forever, if by forever you mean past this year. The story might have been a plant to get Rodgers some flexibility on his contract. Among the billions of things we still don't know here is if the Packers personnel department, if the personnel guys have people skills. The general manager, Brian Gutekunst, has only been general manager for like three years, so it is way early. But he could be one of the NFL's best GMs. Which is saying something. It's especially saying something since the Packers' long, highly respected front office has been gutted over the last nine years by the pillaging Raiders, the Chiefs, and the Browns. Uh, A lot of long, highly respected people left, but the long, highly respected people left behind also seem to be really good at player personnel and might be, might be. It's way early, but they might be better than all the people who left. But since the Rodgers thing came up, do Gutekunst and his staff alienate their players, including Rodgers? Was that true? If that's true, obviously it makes winning tougher. Do you remember the the video about Sioux City? It was, well, it was a video called We Built Sioux City. If you never saw it, it was a YouTube video produced by the city of Sioux City, Iowa, promoting the city, and it featured... Real people, regular citizens from all over the city, along with basically local celebrities, local newscasters, politicians, and local athletes, all singing, We Built Sioux City, while the song We Built This City played in the background. Is this ringing a bell yet? To call it a viral video, this is actually part of the problem, maybe. To call it viral is overstating it a little bit. We Built Sioux City made news. 
but it's the kind of video that your local news station is like, oh, thank God, news, and runs wild with it. Hey, after 4 million views, everybody's doing the fill-in-blank here ever since they saw that YouTube video. So it's the kind of video that generally gets that kind of attention, but I think it topped out. We built Sioux City at around... 300,000 views. The whole city itself is 82,000, so if everybody watched it three times. But it came out in 2010. And even though it wasn't a huge hit, that video has three future NHL players in it. Danny DeKaiser, Ryan Carpenter, and Kevin Gravel are all part of the video. That would have been... Intentional, unintentional. Sioux City's sports teams, rightfully, you would think, you'd think you'd call them up if you're making a video like this. They were all in. We built Sioux City, including the junior hockey Sioux City Musketeers. Uh, Junior hockey is, it's not minor league hockey. Junior hockey is for slightly younger guys. It's basically the step before college or the minor leagues on the rungs of hockey. Now, like all junior teams, Any Sioux City Musketeers team could have future pros on it or just one future NHL player or no future NHL players could be on a Sioux City roster. But that particular team had three future pros and they're all in the video. None are household names, but Red Wings fans know who Danny DeKaiser is. He's been with the Wings for the last eight years. Back when the video was made, he was just called Dan DeKaiser. In the 2009-2010 Sioux City Musketeers yearbook, uh, Vegas and Blackhawks fans are very familiar with Ryan Carpenter, then called Ryan Carpenter in the yearbook. He was in the finals with the Golden Knights and has been with the Blackhawks for the last two seasons. In the yearbook, the Musketeers listed Carpenter as 6-1. 11 years later, the Blackhawks say he's 6-0, but... That's very typical of official bios. Although the yearbook says DeKaiser was 6'2", now he's 6'3". Kevin, don't call him Gravel, Gravel has played several years in the NHL so far, mostly with the Kings. All three eventually had to put on about 20 pounds over their Musketeers playing weight to make it in the NHL. None are featured prominently in We Built Sioux City. How could anyone know? They'd eventually be longtime pros and a Stanley Cup finalist, but they're all in there, all in a video that didn't get quite as many views or quite as much publicity. You ever watch or go to a game, and I don't know what it is. You see two triple plays, or there's like eight walks in a row, and you're like, this game is crazy. This is amazing. The world must be tilting on this game. We are shocking the world, and in reality... No one else is really watching, and no one else really cares. That was the IndyCar race on Sunday. IndyCar had five weeks off between races. So much time off. Did they all practice and test intensely right in the middle of the season? Did they rest? Was there too much time off to actually do anything? Whatever happened. The race was the perfect illustration of having five weeks off. The race literally had one wreck and caution after another. One journalist clocked it at just over 55 minutes of actual racing and one hour and 23 minutes of cautions. There was so little racing, it was almost dark when the race ended, which should not have happened. And if it, if it got dark, the race would have ended right there. Uh, and then the winner was Marcus Erickson, who early on in the race 
wrecked the front of his car, running over the guy in front of him, causing another caution as they prepared to come out of a caution. Usually with indie cars, because it's so sensitive, usually damaging any part of an indie car is certain doom, but Erickson won, basically officially clinching it when the best car in the field hit a 7-Eleven. It was the exact result you would have expected after having most of the summer off. And 1.2 million people did see it on TV, which may be the most for a cable IndyCar race since 1998. But I, you know what I mean. It was crazy, but the population at large basically didn't notice. Says in the yearbook at Hotmail.com, that's to contact us. Texas and Oklahoma apparently joining the Southeastern Conference, which already has 14 teams. The thought is, and this may be an opinion shared by you, the thought is college football is eventually going to be all super mega leagues with their own rules and their own playoffs. Although, again, they have their own playoff right now. The NCAA does not run big-time college football. It runs itself. But the point here is the, the Western Athletic Conference, or WAC, that once expanded to 16 teams, and it was a disaster. Uh, too much beating each other up, too much all fighting over the same publicity, too much travel. Why couldn't the same thing happen to the SEC, especially those first two scenarios? Also, Colton Herta didn't actually hit the 7-Eleven, but he did wipe out at the 7-Eleven. And the Nashville IndyCar race had them racing over a bridge. I said bridge, a real bridge, like over a canyon, or in this case, over water. I have no idea how they made an 80-foot-high bridge over a river safe enough to drive an IndyCar over at about 200 miles an hour, but it was cool. And this is true. There really was a water rescue team on standby at the race, just in case.